hope you guys are all celebrating some big adulting milestones this season. And you know what? Finding the perfect gift for those celebrations can be kind of tough. I have the solution over at grownupgear.com. We have adorable hats, totes, mugs, pillows, tees, and seriously, the most cozy and comfortable sweatshirts. They're all on grownupgear.com and all at affordable prices. We even now have digital gift certificates if you can't decide. Use code GROWNUP for 15% off your first order. Buying from our small business helps to support this free podcast. And you know what? We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. If you are at the beginning of a crisis and you know it's going to last, the problems, the financial problems are going to last for a while, you should borrow money as soon as you can because by the time you need to borrow that money, your credit's going to be shot and you're not going to be in as good a position to borrow it. You're listening to Money Tips for Financial Grownups with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grownup. And you know what? When it comes to money, being a grownup, is hard, but together we've got this. Hey, grown up friends, this is the episode I wish I had done back in March of 2020 because we're going to be talking about how to recover from my financial crisis. And boy, yeah, we needed that when the world shut down back then, but we have it now. Better late than ever, right? Michelle Kagan is a CPA and author of the Financial Recovery Workbook, which is a step-by-step plan for what to do when we are hit by a financial crisis. As we go through our adult lives, many of us, and those we care about, will get hit with something. It could be a massive unexpected medical bill, divorces, job losses, or just bad luck that hits us financially. What I loved about my interview with Michelle is that not only were we able to discuss very specific ways to deal with a financial crisis, she was also pretty bold about breaking the rules of what we expect experts to tell people to do. She also reveals her own unexpected financial crisis and shares her personal experience, which I really appreciated because just because you're a money expert doesn't mean it can't happen to you. We're all vulnerable at some point in our lives often at a lot of points. Here is Michelle Kagan, CPA and author of the Financial Recovery Workbook. Michelle Kagan, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to have you on to talk about your latest book, which is also your 12th book. It is called the Financial Recovery Workbook. Now you brought with you specific action items, but before we get to them, what inspired this book? Was there a certain like aha moment that said now is the time after 11 other books? (laughs) Well, I've actually had some big financial setbacks in the past few years related to health issues in my family. I was struggling to recover from some of those. And I thought I'm a financial professional. And if I'm having a hard time dealing with all these financial pieces, I can't even imagine what someone who's uncomfortable or isn't like an expert in finance is going to do. So I put together some of the stuff I use with my clients and some of the stuff I used myself. And I thought, let me put this all together in a book that can help people get through things in a way that's manageable step-by-step and, and will su- be sustainable so that they can use the skills that they're learning forever in their money journey. 
And I love the tone of the book because you, and you, people can hear it in your voice right now that there's an empathy because so often we vilify people for being in financial crisis when very often they are the things that happen, happen to them, like COVID, for example, that were not in their control. That, well, of course, you can plan for a rainy day, as they say, and have an emergency fund. Life happens, right? Absolutely. Most people's emergency funds, unfortunately, aren't big enough to weather a true crisis. So true. And so many things we can't possibly predict. Let's get into your four things that you, your solutions really, that can help us in financial crisis. The first one is actually really the most important, I would say, because it's really about taking a step back and assessing things. Yeah. The very first thing that that is helpful to do is to acknowledge, understand, and sort of welcome your existing emotional relationship with money, especially during a crisis. A crisis situation could be something like a divorce or a job loss. They all come with their own huge set of anxiety, fear, self-blame, shame. And it's really hard to separate the emotions from financial tasks. And that can leave you completely stuck or make it impossible to move forward. So even if you can't overcome or, you know, get rid of emotions, which I'm not suggesting that you do, acknowledge that they're there, pay attention to them and realize that sometimes when you feel like you can't do something, it's one of your emotions kicking in. And once you face that, it can help you take the next step. Right. Especially during a crisis, our emotions can be our worst enemy or our best asset. So that's the first thing is to really understand our emotional relationship with money. The second thing you want to talk about is knowing the financial facts so that we can have the best foundation for moving forward. Tell us more about that. Even not during a crisis, millions of people have anxiety around money and finances and they don't look at it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to look at their bank accounts or their credit card statements. But when you're in a crisis, it's even more important to know what resources you have. You need to know how much money I have, where can I get more money from? How much space do I have on my credit cards? How much equity do I have in my house? You need to know what your available resources are so that you can use them in the most effective way and not run out. One of the things that really holds people back, though, is that they don't want to make the wrong move. And not only that, they want to make the perfect decision. That's your third thing to talk about, right? Yeah, that's a really big sticking point. And, and that honestly happens to me sometimes too. It causes like a decision paralysis because you feel like if I do the wrong thing, X, Y, and Z are going to happen. If I, if I do this wrong thing, I'm going to lose my house. And especially when you're emotional, the consequences that you attach to any specific move can spiral and get even bigger. I'm going to end up homeless. My kid won't have dinner tonight kind of stuff. So making a plan even if it's not a perfect plan, especially if it's not a perfect plan, anything that will help you take a step, one step at a time, because you can always change your plan. Even after you put it into place, if it's not working, you can change it. But if you don't start with a plan and start making moves, everything is just going to get worse. So what advice would you have for people who can't get over that hurdle? Can you give us maybe a real life example of someone that waited and can't make that next move because they're waiting for it to be perfect? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I was actually dealing with some really high medical bills. And I, I don't know if you've had this experience, but when a child goes into the hospital, they don't tell you how much you're going to have to pay. It could be $200. It could be $20,000. You can't plan for it. You don't know what it's going to be until after all the bills come in. So I had an experience like that. And I thought, you know, it's going to be $3,000. And I planned on that. And it ended up being a lot more than that. Because it didn't turn out the way I expected. And it was so different than what I expected. I sort of went a little bit into anxiety mode where I was like, okay, I need to figure out exactly how I'm going to pay all of this off, where I'm going to get the money from. And I went through circles and circles and circles of the plan until finally I just said, okay, stop circling, make some phone calls, you know, do one step at a time, call and see if you can do a payment plan, see where you can, you know, move some money around and start taking steps instead of just thinking about the plan and spiraling. And it made a difference. That's the thing. I mean, we're talking about true financial crises. These are not things that can be instantly solved and wrap it up with a bow and move on with your life. Sometimes there's going to be multiple and long-term steps to get out of it, right? Absolutely. And, you know, most people in the immediate crisis, there are costs involved with that. But most of the kinds of crises that people face, again, job loss, health problems, a natural disaster, they have ongoing costs. You know, if you have a health problem, you might need, you know, medicine or extra treatment or doctor visits for six months or five years. It's not just a one and done kind of thing. You know, with a divorce, you have to set up a whole new household. Your child care is different. You need health insurance in a different way. So many things change. There are so many moving parts that you really need to work, not just small picture, but big picture. But you still have to start with the next step. So well said. The fourth one is something that people don't like to say, but I think it's genius. You say that during a crisis, the normal personal finance rules don't apply. So don't follow them. I mean, everyone's always saying, follow the things that we know. You know, if you have debt, these are the different things that you can do to pay down the debt. You can use, you know, the snowball method. You can use the avalanche method. I mean, but that's not, and, and this is not just applying to debt. I mean, when you say it's okay to break the rules in a crisis, what does that mean? And give us some examples. So if somebody's having money, a tight finance, you know, something came up, they really need more space in their financial. The first thing I tell them to do is stop making retirement plan contributions. Just stop. Really? If you're a yeah. If you're able to make it up later, that's fine. But if you're choosing between keeping your electricity on or making your mortgage payment and putting money in your retirement account, skip the retirement account for now. I also tell people that, for example, if you are at the beginning of a crisis and you know it's going to last, the problems, the financial problems are going to last for a while, you should borrow money as soon as you can because by the time you need to borrow that money, your credit's going to be shot and you're not going to be in as good a position to borrow it. It's the opposite of what I would normally tell anyone to do. But in a crisis situation, you need to expand your available, your currently available resources as much as possible. Locking money away in a retirement account, that's not a smart choice because if you need to pull it back out, you've got penalties, you've got interest, you've got taxes, if nothing else, unless you put it in a Roth IRA, which is a different you know, situation. I'm just talking more about like 401k through work. If you need to use credit cards to make your budget, normally I would tell people, if you can't make your budget without using credit cards, you need to change your budget. But in a crisis situation, if you need to use your credit cards to buy your kid's medicine, you do that. 
Yes. You use all the financial space you have, and then you work on getting everything under control and managing it better, and then you can recover financially after the crisis is settled down. Give us a few more tips before I let you go, because this is really <laughs> interesting. Because no, I'm sitting here and I'm really processing what you're saying, and I think a lot of our listeners are as well. I mean, this is really, I hate the expression thinking out of the box. It's so tired, but it really applies in this case because everything you're saying in the context of a crisis does make sense, and yet it is breaking so many rules. I know. <laughs> I'm sure there are going to be a lot of financial professionals who hate this book because of that, quite frankly. I think another thing that's really important for people to do is prioritize their expenses in order of survival. So a lot of times in budgeting advice, you know, it's always like money into savings first, money into retirement first. And what I'm saying here is you pay your house, food, electricity, car before you do anything else. You need to make sure you can get to a job interview, to the doctor, you need food, you need to live in your house. And yes, maybe you can downsize some of those expenses, but those are your priorities. Your immediate survival expenses are what to focus on. Another thing that I tell people they can do is increase your insurance deductibles so that you'll have lower premiums because right now the current cash matters more than anything else. People can maybe not look at their credit scores for a few months because it's very possible that during a crisis, their utilization is going to go up and it's going to drop their credit score. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't mean they're a big risk. It means that right now they need to use their available resources. And then when things are back on track, everything else will fall into place. If we know of a friend or relative who's in a financial crisis, what is the best way to help them? Because we get a lot of mixed messages. Of course, we want to be there for friends and family, but we're also told you can't always afford to just be, you know, sometimes you, you worry about being an enabler, depending on what caused the crisis. You want to be there for them, but maybe you can't afford to give them money and you want to loan them, but you don't know how things are spiraling out of control. I mean, what is the best way to, to be there for people? I think one of the best ways to be there for people is honestly just to listen and not try to fix things for them. That's something that a, a lot of people forget to do. They think they hear somebody talking about a problem and they immediately go into fix mode. But a lot of times someone just wants to be able to listen without judgment and not have someone else swoop in just to acknowledge, hey, that situation really sucks. Maybe I can take your kids for a few hours. Would that be helpful for you? It doesn't always have to be about money. It has to do about care and support. That's a really good point. And I love that idea of helping with other things that don't necessarily cost you money, but maybe can help them with their money situation. Because if you can maybe take their kids and give them free babysitting, or maybe you give them a ride to work if they don't have a car at that time, things like that maybe mm -hmm. are ways that you can help people that are going through a financial crisis. Um, this has been wonderful, Michelle. Where can people find out more about you and pick up the book? Uh, they can visit my website, which is michellekagancpa.com. And the book, I think is now available pretty much everywhere. What are your social channels? I'm on Twitter at michellekagancpa. Facebook at Michelle Kagan CPA and Instagram. Guess what? It's Michelle Kagan CPA. Thank you, Michelle Kagan CPA for joining us. This has been great. I love the book. I know a lot of our listeners are going to get so much value out of this, not just for themselves, but also for the people that they care about. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. Here's my take, friends. 
it was really refreshing to hear someone be so real about the stuff that we really don't talk about. A quick recap here. Michelle reminds us not to let our emotions get the best of us in a crisis and to actually look at the numbers. It's really hard sometimes, but that's really the only way we're going to know exactly what we're dealing with in terms of how big a crisis is. We also can't wait for the perfect plan. We may be choosing from a bad plan versus an even worse plan. And that is why we may need to break some of the rules we have been told, well, to never break. Her book, The Financial Recovery Workbook, is just that, a workbook. It has lots of tools and worksheets to actually execute a lot of the money tips that we've shared on this episode. For more on the podcast, make sure you go to my website, bobbyrebell.com, and just click on the podcast tab where you can get show notes and full transcripts of every show. Finally, if you enjoy this podcast, I could really use your help. Please tell a friend. You can tell more than one friend. And if you have a free moment, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And also make sure you're following the podcast wherever you listen so you automatically get new episodes once a week. Thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen and to Michelle Kagan, CPA and author of the Financial Recovery Workbook for helping us all be financial grownups. Money Tips for Financial Grownups is a production of BRK Media, LLC. Editing and production by Steve Stewart. Guest coordination, content creation, social media support, and show notes by Ashley Wall. You can find the podcast show notes, which include links to resources mentioned in the show, as well as show transcripts, by going to my website, bobbyrebell.com. You can also find an incredible library of hundreds of previous episodes to help you on your journey as a financial grown-up. The podcast and tons of complimentary resources associated with the podcast is brought to you for free, but I need to have your support in return. Here's how you can do that. First, connect with me on social media at bobbyrebell1 on Instagram and bobbyrebell on both Twitter and on Clubhouse, where you can join my Money Tips for Grownups Club. Second, share this podcast on social media and tag me so I can thank you. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Reading each one means the world to me. And you know what? It really motivates others to subscribe. You can also support our merch shop, grownupgear.com, by picking up fun gifts for your grown-up friends and treating yourself as well. And most of all, Help your friends on their journey to being financial grownups by encouraging them to subscribe to the podcast. Together, we got this. Thank you for your time and for the kind words so many of you send my way. See you next time. And thank you for supporting Money Tips for Financial Grownups.